Hello and good morning to you, my beloved brothers and sisters in the Lord. Of course, it's your brother, Pastor Chida Jacob, here this morning to serve you to this episode of our daily fellowship with the world. Let me begin this morning by reading a scripture. Of all places, the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, verse number 22 to 23. You know why I said of all places, the book of Lamentation, chapter 3, verses 20 to 23. Even in this book, we find something amazing. Look at what it says. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Again, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Beloved, remember, when the Bible says never, never is not temporary. That is eternally, forever and ever. The mercies of the Lord never come to an end. Notice first one, the steadfast love. That is the always active, the always giving, the always moving love of God. Never, never ever ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Now, I'm sure this is not the first time you've heard this scripture. I'm sure maybe you have sang it in songs. Maybe you are very familiar with this scripture. But you know why I read this scripture this morning? If we go back and really begin to look at God the way he is, you know that your perception will change. You know that I don't have to force you to repent from many of the things they have said to us about God. Beloved, notice this. It says, his love never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. 23, they are new every morning. Like you woke up this morning, God, notice this, notice this. It's not that I'm asking him for his mercies. It's not like in the morning, God is waiting for me. Then I will come up and say, Father, please, can you release your mercy today? And then he releases his mercy. No, the Bible says that his mercies, just like his love never ceases, just like his mercy never ends, they are constantly new every morning. This is the nature of God that is independent of my action. Beloved, why am I reading this scripture this morning? I need you to please, I can say this over and over because it's possible that you hear what I said, you accept what I said in your head, you can even teach back what I say, but it's another thing when it becomes real in your heart, when your eyes can see the reality of this. Don't forget many of the reasons we are struggling with God it's not because of God, it's because of the picture of God that was presented to us. The God whose relationship with you is based on your own performance, is based, he's good to you because you are good, and then he's bad to you because you are bad. That God does not fit into this one that the scripture says his steadfast love 
of the Lord never ceases and his mercies never ever come to an end. Instead of coming to an end, they are abundantly new every morning. So it doesn't matter what yesterday looks like. If you open up yourself to his mercies this morning, you walk in the reality of it. Notice this again. It's not because I'm asking him to make it available. No, he has made it available. Now, just follow my thought this morning. Number one, don't forget that you and I are here on a divine mandate. We are here on the plan of God. He is the one who, who proposed, he visioned, he implemented. He is the one who has put all of this together. If we understand him, we know that he doesn't begin a thing that he cannot finish. We also know that he doesn't start something and never makes things available. The idea that you and I have to wrestle with God is the one that you must permanently delete from your mind. Let me tell you why. The more I look into distance, the more it is becoming obvious that such attempts looks like they frustrate the flow of God towards, it, towards us. It's like his mercies are available. You are trying to make him to make available what he has already made available. Beloved, now here is why I have said all this. When it comes to the equation of success, like we've been discussing, you can see that the word has made it to look like God made nothing available. You just have to go there and either you're begging him, you're pleading with him, and then you're walking, you're toiling, then you're producing, you're doing all that. That's the picture. But when you go back and look at this God and understand who he is, you know that God is not irresponsible. You know that God is a thoughtful God, full of wisdom. He knows the beginning till the end. Praise God. Nothing skews him out. So he couldn't have brought you and I here without making abundant provision available for us. Again, don't forget what we've been sharing since Sunday. So it is not a matter of convincing God. It is a matter of convincing us again. It has never been a matter of convincing God, which is the picture religion gave to us. It is your sacrifice that will convince him. It is your obedience that will convince him. It is your consistency in work that will convince him. If you can do everything right, perfectly at all times, then God will be happy with you and he will respond. All that is baloney. All that is a false representation of our father. Listen to what the scripture says. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It didn't say it's temporary. It didn't say, it didn't say it flows when you do good and then ceases when you do bad. No, it never said his mercies ever comes to an end. It does not come to an end. If we have the correct picture of our father, things will fall into place. Beloved, don't forget. Everything we have been saying this year is to bring us to this place of rest in our Father. Don't forget that. It's to bring us to the place of rest in our Father. And how is he doing that as a good father, as a good farmer, as our shepherd? He is using this word to prune away the fears. He's using these words to cut away 
all the sources of desperation in your life, he's using this word to peel away all the leaves of depression, all the clouds of darkness that is in our heart. He's using this word to clean them out, to clear them out. Why is he doing that, beloved? The scripture tells us is so that those who are not bearing fruit will begin to bear forth fruit. And those who are already bearing fruit will go ahead and bear much more. Praise God. Beloved, don't forget that you and I are here on a divine mandate. He is the one who sent us here and he has already provided everything you and I need to be successful, to bear forth fruit. Now watch this. Why is it that God does not go outside there to fix things, but he comes to prune us? He doesn't go out there to say, okay, I did not make enough fruits available. I didn't make enough resources available. So let me go ahead and provide more so that you can get more. No, he comes back to us to prune us, to cleanse us up because what has stopped us, what has limited us, it's not because God has any short force. No, what has limited you and I are the limiting beliefs are the conflicts in your soul, the conflict, the fears in your spirit, the intimidation that you have welcomed, the way you have seen yourself that makes you feel or think that you are not good enough, the sense of need that circumstances has injected into us. Now, all these conflicts within us are what repels what he has done. So, as a masterful, dutiful shepherd, he comes in now and he's using these words to clean us. Beloved, don't forget, don't forget, everything begins at repentance. That place when you start to realize that number one, God is good, he is loving, he is perfect, he has made everything abundantly available. Praise God. Number one, number two, and he is for us. He is not against us. That when I am weak, he doesn't complain of my weakness. He calls me strength and then he will stretch forth his hand and lift me up from the place of my weakness. His mercies are new every morning, not his anger, not his demanding. Beloved, have you noticed that when you look at this very well, all God is desiring for us to do is like babies to sit on his lap, knowing that in that place we are protected, knowing that in that place his hand is capable to protect us and also to provide for us. Praise God. But don't forget, it is the word that makes you to grow so wise. It is the word that makes you to think that what God is doing is not good enough. You got to make it happen. It's religion that tells you that the righteousness God gives you is not good enough until you go to get your own. It is religion that tries to convince you that God is a docile God sitting in heaven waiting for you to cry and cry and cry your heart out. And then he starts to dispense mercy to you. No, the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Praise God. So, beloved, I have said all that to come back to the scripture of yesterday. And this is something that you and I need to look over closely, over and over and over again, and to see the practicality of this. Philippians, of course, chapter 4, verse number 6 to 8. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6 
to eight. Don't be pulled in different directions, of course. What is it that pulls us to different directions? Of course, is the things happening around us. Is the news that you hear. Is the demand the world is making on you. The Bible says don't be pulled in different directions or be worried about a thing. I love this. Be worried about a thing. Again, I have explained this over and over. You know what worry does to your body. And now he says, instead of that, you, don't forget, not God. He did not say saturate God in prayer. He said, you be saturated in prayer throughout each day. Be soaked into prayer throughout each day. And of course, I have explained what this means. He said, offering your faith-filled request before God with overflowing gratitude. Now, notice this next line very carefully. It says, tell him every detail of your life. Now, let's do some basic application here. Is it telling you to tell God every detail of your life because God is not already aware? Think about that. Are you telling him like, okay, oh no, God doesn't know what's going on in your life. So now that you are telling him, now he knows. No, sir. In fact, in saying these things, it is you that hears it. God already knows. He's already aware. If you listen to what he said, he says, be saturated. You be saturated in prayer throughout the day. What are you doing? Not complaining. Not telling God that you need this or that or this. No. Offering faith-filled request before God with overflowing gratitude. In fact, what this simply means is thanking God for all that we have in him. I read the post one of my sons shared on Facebook a few days ago by Dr. E. W. Kenyon. Let me read a portion of that so you have an understanding of what it means when the Bible said offer faith-filled request. This is not, oh God, please come and show me mercy. Why is he going to show you mercy? He has already shown you mercy. It's when you see that mercy and see yourself in that, in the reality of that mercy and thank him for it. Don't forget, as you do so, you are simply aligning yourself with what has been done. This is what Dr. E. W. Kenyon wrote. He said, and listen to this, this is almost against everything that we are taught about faith, about believing. This is what he says. Claiming the promises is not faith. I claim your promise. He said it's not faith because faith already has it. It's only faith when it is real, when the evidence is with you, when even though you have not seen the physical manifestation, but you are living in the reality of it from the inside of you. Praise God. Faith is not claiming promises. Faith already has it. He wrote, claiming proves that no one does have it yet. It is unbelief attempting to act like faith. Dr. Kenyon says here that saying you are claiming God's promise is unbelief trying to act as faith. Now he writes further, as long as one is trying to get it, faith has not yet acted. Again, as long as you are talking to God like you are trying to get it, don't forget what he says, let your faith-filled request flow 
with overflowing gratitude. Why are you thanking him? Why are you grateful? It's because you have a sense that you already have it. Praise God. Watch what he says here. Dr. Kenyon writes, Faith says, Thank you, Father. Now, is this what Apostle Paul was talking about? Yes, thank you, Father, is a word of gratitude. Praise God. He says, faith has it. Faith has arrived. Faith stops praying and begins to praise. Praise God. Notice carefully, he writes, doubt says, I claim the promises. I am standing on the promises. This is all the language of doubt. Amazingly, these are the things that we are taught how to, I'm standing on the word of God, I'm claiming the word of God. No, the Bible said here, let your faith-filled request, don't forget, if it is faith-filled, it means that it has arrived. It means that you have seen it. Now, it will make more sense why, why Jesus says, when you pray for something, believe that you have it, believe that you have received it, and you shall have it. Praise God. Amen and amen. But let me push this a little further, just so that this becomes more clear. And don't forget, the reason I'm going on and on about this is to shift your mind from seeing God as a passive God. As the one who doesn't want to do anything for you, who hasn't done anything because you have not done good enough, because you have not asked him good enough, to see him as the loving father who has provided everything for you. If he has provided everything for us, I got to thank him for it all the time. Praise God. Amen and amen. Don't forget, one other reason I'm reading this particular scripture is to begin to adjust the way you pray. Praying from emptiness towards heaven, looking for God who will fill you from heaven, is not the same thing as praying or stating or demanding or insisting on the fullness of what you have seen on the inside. That out of the abundance in your spirit, you can begin to daily thank God for those abundance. Praise God. Now, this is very instructive because verse 7 says, Then when you do that, God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding. What is human understanding? Human understanding is what tells you that success is something you have to achieve in the future. So you keep wrestling for it. You keep hustling for it. You keep toiling for it. You keep dragging to get it. No, faith says I am successful. I've got Jesus. I am full of the Holy Ghost. I am full of the wisdom of God. If I have Jesus, then I am successful. Have you seen? Faith has it. Faith is not looking for it. Faith is not trying to get it. No, faith already has it. Don't forget the success equation for man is that success is something that you've got to get. No, faith already has it. Faith says, thank you, Father. I am successful. I give you praise. I am successful in all my ways, in all that I do, because the one who is in me is successful. I have succeeded in all things. Thank you, Father. I give you praise and I give you glory. That's what the Bible is talking about. Then suddenly, the peace of God surges into your heart. Amen. Now, he moves on to the next part of it to tell us what we should do. 
You might not be able to lock yourself inside your house, inside your room and pray 24 hours around the clock. But you can surely keep your thoughts. Don't forget. Keep your thoughts continually. The Bible says fixed on all that is authentic and real. Beloved, I'm out of time, but you know that many of the things that terrify you, many of the things that bothers you in the realm of God is not really authentic. What is, what is authentic is who God is and what he has done. He said, fix your thoughts on that one continually. And things that are honorable, things that are admirable, things that are beautiful, things that are respectful, things that are pure and holy and merciful and kind. And he says fasten just like you screw in a boat just like you use nail and hammer and fasten something together the bible says fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of god praising him always amen and amen beloved like i've said this morning you may not be able to lock yourself inside your room and pray 24 hours non-stop but you can show fasting your thoughts fixed on the glorious work of God. As you go by the day, you have every right to reject any thought that has a negative energy and come back to say, Father, I thank you for you have loved me. My day is successful because I'm a loved child of God. Thank you, precious Father, to fasten your thought on the fact that he has made you righteous and delivered you from sin. The fa Fasting your thought on all the amazing things that he has done. Friend, in fact, doing this automatically changes the environment wherever you are because it brings joy to your heart. It lightens up a sense of favor that comes from God. Praise God. I will stop here and come back to you again tomorrow by the grace of God as we continue to look into this matter. Beloved, don't forget what we are trying to do is to allow our Father to retrain us when it comes to this equation of success so that you and I can enjoy the true success that comes from him. Not the one that breaks up our homes, not the one that breaks up our physical bodies, not the one that denies us the joy of the present and pulls it to the future. No, the one that allows us to live beautifully every day. Praise God. Don't forget, beloved, the steadfast love of our Father never ceases. His mercies never comes to an end. Embrace the truth that they are new for me and you every morning. Amen and amen. Please enjoy your day while you are at it. Don't forget this morning you have been served. Shalom. <music>